Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. We talking about money again? We got a stewardship lesson last week, right? No, it was not. A, that was a trick. It was not a stewardship lesson. Okay, there's a little bit of a stewardship lesson to it. But we saw last week that good stewardship was only a byproduct of the lesson. The real lesson was trust in Jesus, not in the false god, Mammon. And so again, today we come to a lesson about two men, one rich and one poor. And the rich man went to heaven and the poor man went to hell. Wait, did I just mix that up? Okay. Except I didn't because the rich man was only materially rich, but he was poor in spirit. And the opposite is, I know I'm being tricky this morning. The opposite is true of Lazarus. I mean, the rich man was rich in earthly treasure, but he was depraved and he didn't even recognize his own sinful condition. All right, Lazarus was laid at the man's gate. He was so sickly that he couldn't even place himself there. But his friends, his family had to lay him there. They probably figured, hey, let's put him at the gate of Joe Millionaire because then he can be fed. I mean, even the crumbs that fall from the table will be enough to satisfy him. And they put him right at the gate where you can't miss him. You know, Joe Millionaire is walking home and he walks up the gate and here's Lazarus. Lazarus. You can't miss him. He's right there. He's been placed in your midst. We talked yesterday about your neighbor. That's your neighbor, the person who's been placed in your midst. And Joe feasts sumptuously. Oh, he does. He feasts sumptuously. Surely Lazarus can live off of the crumbs that fall from his table. Furthermore, Joe Millionaire is also a fine, upstanding Jew. We know that because he calls out to Abraham as his father. Father Abraham. Surely he's acquainted with God's poverty-fighting programs. They're not a mystery. They're given throughout the Old Testament, all over the place, the admonition to feed, to care for those that are in need. He did, that didn't miss him, did he? I mean, if Abraham is his father, didn't he... Remember hearing that as he heard God's word? Now we read or heard from Amos. Woe to those who are at ease in Zion, who drink wine in bowls, anoint themselves with the finest oils. This is a description of the rich and moreover the rich who use religion as a pretense for their ostentatious display of wealth. And Israel and Judah are failing to live by God's law. The northern and the southern kingdoms that Amos was prophesying to, calling to repentance, were were not living by God's law and God's precepts. This results in a lack of care for the poor, which is one of the things Amos addresses, and also for the poor in spirit. Because what's happening in, in, in Israel is idol worship. And and that's really the poverty that is more striking is is that poverty of spirit. Uh, The terms are pretty uh, abrasive that that Israel is whoring after false gods. 
offering idol worship, not keeping the covenant that was made with the one true God. So Amos is warning them and says that they are materially wealthy and yet they are not grieved over the ruin of Joseph. That ruin is a poverty of both material and and also spiritual poverty. Now on earth, we come to the gospel lesson, on earth the rich man had all that he needed, he had all that he wanted, and then he even had some more. And meanwhile, here's Lazarus, who's living in a pitiful state. The dogs lick his wounds. I mean, this is, this is unclean, unclean in the ceremonial sense, unclean. But moreover, how pitiful that he's laying at the gate. He can't move himself. He's there. He's hoping to get crumbs that fall. And the dogs are there. His, his only friends in the world are the dogs that are there licking his wounds. Now, the world oftentimes will misconstrue such an image. Lazarus this Lazarus living in this pitiful state, he must have made himself an enemy of God. He must have brought this on himself. He doesn't have the favor of God. He can't. I mean, look at this condition he's in. How, if God is all-powerful, how could he, would he allow him to exist in this condition unless, unless he just didn't, didn't have God's favor? And that's the way the world looks at it. How often have you heard someone cry out or perhaps cried out yourself, why, God, are you allowing this to happen to me? Perhaps this was the cry of Lazarus. Why have you allowed this to happen to me? We don't know. The text doesn't say that, so we don't know. But one thing that we do know for sure is that he was trusting in God to save him. And we know that because he found, uh, he has found after his death to be carried by angels to Abraham's bosom, to Abraham's side. This is a figure of speech, meaning he was carried to heaven. Well, you go to heaven because you have the righteousness that comes through faith in Christ. So he had that righteousness and was taken to heaven. He had that trust. And you notice this might be, I don't know, maybe this is subtle or maybe you notice this in the text. Lazarus has a name. It's Lazarus. The rich man doesn't have a name. That's why I have to give him a name of Joe Millionaire because he doesn't have a name. He's not even known. But Lazarus is known. He's known by God and God called Lazarus. He sent his angels to pick him up and carry him to heaven. Meanwhile, the rich man I don't know, maybe he had a, uh, a pretentious or ostentatious funeral and paid mourners, you know, to gather around and mourn his death and everything else. Doesn't really say. Bottom line is he's in hell, in torment. And yet he's a child of Abraham, or at least in his eyes he is. <clears throat> he was great. The rich man was great in this world. So great that he, especially so great in his own mind, you know, it's like, oh, he's really like the, the cat's meow. He's the greatest guy. And if you don't believe me, just ask him. He'll tell you about it. He's that great guy. But he neglected God's word and he turned inwardly on himself. He's so great that he doesn't need God. So he turns inward on himself 
As a result, he will suffer for all eternity. Because he was rich? No. No, not because he was rich. Because he did not have a contrite heart. Even in hell, he doesn't exhibit contrition. There's no call for forgiveness. You don't hear the rich man in hell saying, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Simple words. I mean, it's really simple. And a contrite heart says it. Lord, have mercy on me. I am not perfect. I have not kept your law. Now, Lord, get Lazarus to bring a drop of water down here to cool my tongue. I'm sorry, what is Lazarus, your whipping boy or something? Is Lazarus to serve you now? But it's interesting. He knows Lazarus' name. Oh, all those times you passed by him on the gate, at the gate, and you saw him down there? Oh, so you did know who that was. Hmm. That is interesting. Not only does the rich man fail to convey the slightest remorse in this, but he actually impugns the methods of God. Talk about self-righteous. Listen, let me explain this. The rich man begs, send Lazarus to my father's house. Okay, so he's in anguish, but he says, send Lazarus to my father's house. You might even look at this and go, you know, at least he cared about his brothers. Because he says, send him to my house. I have five brothers, you know, let them hear uh, from Lazarus and, and that they might not come to this place of torment. You might think, well, he cares at least about his brothers. I don't know. It's almost more like he's trying to justify himself again. And this is why I say that. Because Abraham's response is, they have Moses and the prophets. Basically, he's saying the Old Testament. They have the scriptures. They have God's word. Let them hear Moses and the prophets. Yes, God's word is powerful to save. Let your brothers hear the word of God and they will be saved. But the rich man is so arrogant and so full of his own virtue. Now he impugns God's methods because he says, no, Father Abraham. But if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. No, God's ways are not the best ways. Do as I say and let my will be done. I'm not, this is the rich man. He says, I'm not damned to hell because of my failure to hear Moses and the prophets. Your plan of salvation, God, was, was, that's not right. Don't work faith that way. Work faith by sending someone from the dead. Oh, I mean, it's the, the arrogance of it. It comes out. Lack of remorse, lack of contrition. And he still doesn't get it. Even in hell, he still doesn't understand. God's word is not insufficient. It is sufficient and all-powerful. It creates faith. Let them hear Moses and the prophets. Hubris and arrogance. Standing, I mean, he's standing in judgment over God and his ways. You know, I just realized, I think I kind of do that myself sometimes. And I suspect you probably do too. You have probably looked at God's methods and God's ways. You have probably said, what if we did this differently? What if we 
you know, there's got to be a better way than just preaching God's word to be saved. We do that sometimes. I mean, it's our sinful nature. It's our sinful flesh. And this is a call to simple faith and trust that God works faith when and where it pleases him and that he works faith in the appointed means that he has given us, that we have the promise of the Holy Spirit coming to us in the word, coming to us in the sacrament, coming to us in the baptism. We also question God's ways when we ask ourselves, God, why are you allowing this to happen to me? Why, God, I'm suffering. Why do you allow this to happen to me? I mean, we should, can, and we should reflect on our life. Good decisions, bad decisions, things that have happened, circumstances. We look for how God's hand is is at play. But don't ever feel like you can pinpoint God's will and say, oh, this is what God has done. This is why. Not apart from his scripture. He has revealed his will. It is that all people would be saved. His will is that you would be saved. His will is that you would turn to him in faith as Lazarus did. In spite of what your earthly circumstances are. In spite of whatever your circumstances are in good and in bad, that you would turn to God and trust and believe and receive the greatest gift that he has to give anyone, which isn't earthly riches or comfort. Lazarus was loved by God and he suffered. Job was loved by God and he suffered. The prophets were loved by God and the prophets suffered. And of course, Jesus Christ, God himself, didn't didn't count his being God as, as something to be grasped onto and to avoid suffering, but went willingly to suffer on the cross, and to die for your sins. That is the God that we worship. It's the suffering God who says, I will suffer for you. I will count you worthy to be suffered for. And that is a call on us. That was the call on the rich man. Rich man, Joe Millionaire, count Lazarus worthy to be suffered for. And that is the call that he did not hear. I think of Paul writing to the Romans. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. Yeah, we we can't wrap our head around this suffering for us. So we do certainly have in this lesson a lesson for the poor. There's a lesson here for caring for the poor. Yeah, do that for sure. But more importantly, we have a lesson in caring for the poor in spirit. Has God abandoned me in the midst of suffering? No. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The poor in spirit like the rich man are those who have not received the free gift of salvation offered for the sake of Jesus Christ. Jesus says that in eternity there will be heaven and there will be hell. Make no mistake and don't sugarcoat the implications of this. There is a hell in spite of what popular authors that have gone off the reservation may say about the Christian faith. There is a hell. Those who persist in unbelief will be damned to hell. That's real. Let's not sugarcoat that or ignore that. So in love of your neighbor, share the law and share the gospel. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That's Jesus Christ. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of all of us. We don't preach the law in some smug, arrogant way. You're a sinner. Look at this lifestyle you're leading. But we do preach the law. You're a sinner like me. Look at this lifestyle we're living. And yet, look at Jesus Christ, our Savior, who looked down on us and said, yeah, I'm going to die for you, for your sins. I'll take your sins upon myself. No matter what your present or future circumstances may be, your faith may feel weak in the midst of suffering. Don't worry about that. Your faith can be weak, but your Savior is strong to save, and that is his will to save. Turn and believe and receive. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.